Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. We are hydrating up. The Red Sox are scuffling. We'll get into that. And hey, we're hearing some uh, little, little, little rumors. Players could be on the move. Baseball insiders ready to roll. And it rolls right now. I love when you're drinking the water, buddy. I got my uh, my White Sox uh, little mug here. It's a good-looking mug there, Carmen. You got a very strong coffee mug game. I, I don't think I've complimented you on that enough. Thank you. Very strong. Thank you. I, I, I need more compliments from you, buddy. Um, congrats on everything you're doing over there. I know you've been very busy. You're very interested about the Boston Red Sox, so we're going to start there today. But uh, Cincinnati Reds, you're also on the clock in your debacle of a baseball season. And we're going to stop in Chicago, as for always, because uh, there's stuff going on on both the south and uh, north sides. Uh, White Sox, by the way, taking two from the Cubs. But the panic is real in Boston, Bert. What, what do you got on these struggling Red Sox, and can they turn it around? And Ken Roosevelt had a great piece in The Athletic kind of underlining all the difficulties, but also laying out some optimism as, you know, hey, let's look back at the Nationals. Let's look back at the Braves. They didn't start out well, and they won the World Series in the last couple of years. So there's that. Yeah, exactly. And they're not ready to press the panic button yet. And they're quite a ways away from reaching that point, just because we're not even a third of the way into the season. And there's a lot of baseball to be played. And as you mentioned, there's teams that have a history of coming back. But the first 29 games that they've played have been very concerning. And it's underlined a lot of the concerns that people had about them entering the season. I think maybe it's been even stronger than what they could have expected. Uh, their offense ranks 28th in runs, which that should not happen. Uh, their starting rotation has actually been pretty strong. And then their bullpen has been a mess. Um, and Alex Cora has had an impossible job of trying to navigate that bullpen problem. Um, they've had some good performers. I know uh, like during the offseason, I gave you the name of Matt Strom as somebody who was perhaps the most underrated signing in of the offseason. And, He's been brilliant for them. Um, and I'll talk about that and some other possibilities a little bit, little bit later. But um, they have a lot of hurdles to navigate. Heim Bloom's got his work cut out for him, but they proved last year they could make midseason additions that were meaningful with Kyle Schwarber being like numero uno. But this year it's going to be even more pressing. And I don't know if they can get it done in just one year if things don't turn around. 
So, but they're also getting good performances. Michael Waka's pitched above where he is was expected to be. Same deal with Rich Hill. Yep. So there are some regression candidates lurking around Fenway Park. Not you, Gabrielle Starr, if you're listening to the Baseball Insiders. Great work over there. Uh, so I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think we can always like, hey, in 2019, the Nationals were 19 and 31, or the Braves. You know, last year in a very weird year and in a very incredible playoff for Atlanta. I mean, sure, they weren't 500 going into August, but that that is, uh, I don't know, man. I I I I would be I I fall, put me in the skeptical side here, Bert. That's like I guess what I'm trying to say. No, I don't blame you. And like, and you look at some of their offensive performers. Like they have guys that, I mean, I think are due for like better stretches coming up. But you also look at a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. That was a trade that I thought. And I think Rosenthal said it perfectly. Heim Bloom got too cute with it. Um, it was it was Hunter Renfro to the Brewers for Jackie Bradley Jr. and two prospects. Um, and Bradley Jr. has always been known as a defensive first outfielder. And the Red Sox have known that because they had him for so many years. They acquired him to get him back. Thought he'd be a little bit better than what he was in Milwaukee. And yet it's been more of the same. And his defense has been stellar, but I mean – he's a limited outfielder at this point of his career. And that's just one of the moves that have not paid off. Um, and it's, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in a lot of trouble. Um, I expect it to be better, but when you're in last place in that division, even below the Baltimore Orioles, Carmen, that's not good. No, no, no bueno. Uh, we did not expect that the A's and the Red Sox would be in a battle for AL patheticness right now. By the no. way, the, the A's actually were better than the Red Sox for at least the first half of the smallest point of the <laughs> season. But regardless of that, I, I'm wondering if we rewind back to the offseason mm-hmm. and rumors that you were hearing about who the Red Sox were going after, and maybe they didn't go that way, and now you see where they're sitting, and ooh, that didn't work out too well. Because when you have a payroll of $218 million – Ultimately, this is not on the players on the field. This is on management and construction of team when you're given that freedom to spend. I would totally agree with that. And it's the number one thing for me, obviously you can point to the offense, um, but I'll give you a move that I thought they should have done. I don't know if they, I don't know how heavily they talked about it or if they even did. I'm sure they did because Bloom talks about everything. Um, but it would be signing an impact reliever because you look at their bullpen. Now they don't have a set closer. They don't have like a true dominant arm back there. Um, they ended up moving who is one of their better relievers from moving them into the rotation. He's been great there, but it's left a hole in the bullpen. And um, I thought they should have ended up signing Kenley Jensen, especially since he only got a one-year deal. I thought that would have made a whole lot of sense. Um they, they listen. They could, yeah, they could have. There's, there's a lot. There, there's a lot of angles. There, there was a, the relievers were moving around, even yeah. uh, late. They, they, you know, you, you could have been the team that traded for Craig Kimbrell, brought him, brought him back. Let's live. Let's relive that dream. I don't know. You know, there's, there's a lot of things they could have done. Um, do you think they'll be active to try and save their season at some point here? I know it's early. Active in trying to make trades or mm-hmm. trying to. 
I don't know if they'll end up trying to be active and making trades sooner than later. Um, I think they're going to have to roll with what they got. Maybe they call up one of their, one of their top prospects from the minor leagues. Um, maybe they try to like find just a way to get some energy in that clubhouse. But with the way they're trending right now, they look like a candidate to be sellers at the trade deadline. And granted, we're about a month and a half to two months away from actually like getting close to that conversation. But um, I, I don't know if I would aggressively try to add to this team. And I don't think Bloom will either. Um, just uh, that doesn't seem like something he would end up doing or parting with some of their top prospects. But if you look at some of the guys that have as trade candidates, you mentioned Michael Walker, you have Rich Hill, um, you have Matt Strom, sold. you have sold. Xander Bogarts. That's not sold, but maybe. I yeah, I, I would not trade him. Um, I think Rosenthal made a great point that they should try to uh, extend him rather than trade him. But I know John Heyman of MLB Network reported like a month ago or so that the Red Sox made an extension offer to um, – had somebody call me, uh, decline that one. Um, anything personal, it, Bert? Anything? No, it was, uh, you look rattled. Uh, I believe it was a spam call. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I get rattled by spam calls. In Italy. Stay with me, buddy. You're right there with Xander Bogarts. You're there. Oh, I am there, but they made an extension offer one year for 30 million Carm is what Heyman said. That is not going to get it done because his last contract was relatively team friendly. Actually it was team friendly. This series, I'm sure he's going to try to end up making and like breaking the bank here. And one year for 30 million is not going to do that. And that is not, they're not off to a good start, those negotiations, if that was a starting point. And, and Heyman has even hinted that it's likely that um, he'll be playing elsewhere next year. So, well, it just makes me want to rewind back because you're the Boston damn Red Sox. You've got one of the highest payrolls in baseball, yet if we're going just through recent times, starting with Mookie Betts, somehow, some way you couldn't find the money to pay Mookie and he ends up with the Dodgers and the Dodgers are out there just rolling world series. And who knows if they'll, I mean, they're, they're rolling again this year. I, it's interesting to me how Boston makes their money decisions. I don't know if you can shed insight into this, but it just seems to be bizarre uh, that they don't prioritize the top of the food chain, at least lately a lot more than, uh, that they did in the past and, and that they should really. Yeah. And I think a lot of it can be traced to Heim Bloom. And when they had Dave Dombrowski there, they would spend a lot of money and they would be trading their top prospects. Um, and under Bloom, they want to have, they want to be more wise with how they spend, where they spend less, but still continue to win. And that's exactly what he was able to do in Tampa Bay and why everybody in baseball identified him as the guy uh, to poach away from Tampa. And ultimately they ended up doing that. And that's also why teams were trying to hire Eric Neander, who's their head guy there now. Um, and James Click was there too, hired from the Astros. But if you, he's able to win with less. And that is part of why we're seeing such a low. It's why they had to make the difficult decision of trading multi bets. Um, and the Dodgers extended them basically a couple months after they acquired them. It's well, tough. I mean, Andrew Friedman's been successful on both sides of this small yep. market, big market. So you would think that, oh, I have all this money. It's a lot easier. But yeah. 
you still have to yeah go ahead ownership i would imagine this is me speculating it's not me having inside info but you have to imagine the ownership is giving him i mean sure he's going to have resources to do what he wants but the dodgers spend money like it's going out of style like they're an outlier outlier rather than the norm um and the red Sox, meanwhile they're going to try to like still spend but just not as much as they used to so let's go to where you do have, I think, some some insider, at least some tidbits of, of value, and that is over to Cincinnati, where the Cincinnati Reds are on pace. Do you know how many games they're on pace to win, dude? Uh, I, I don't. Give me give me a number, Carm. I know the it's not many. The, the Cincinnati Reds right now at six and twenty three with a win percentage of two oh seven. If if that pace continues, they will finish. 33 and 129, uh, which I believe would set a record for the worst in the history of baseball. So there's that. Do you think they'd make the playoffs? Uh, they would be a little bit shy, and I don't. <laughs> I don't think the the Cubs at 10 and 18 will be able to catch them down there. Although I hope that they are in that market because Lord knows they're not doing anything. But uh, you are you hearing that Cincinnati is already starting to listen on some of the players that do have value. Yeah, um, I know Peter Gammons has said that the Reds are willing to talk about Luis Castillo, who just ended up making his first start back uh, pretty recently. Um, and as soon as he's back, shows that he's back to norm, he is going to be somebody who's pretty coveted by teams. Uh, comes at a pretty reasonable cost, too. Um, but they also have Tyler Maley. Uh, I might be pronouncing that name wrong. I just had a big brain for it there. But anyways... Um, they have the starting pitching that teams are going to be coveting. And those are going to be the two names that you really want to watch for when it comes to the Reds. They, sure, they have other pieces too. As I mentioned, and I think it was maybe our last or maybe the second to last episode, I wonder if they ever consider moving Joey Votto because, I mean, it, that guy deserves to be a, on a contending team. And this team is a pile of poo-poo. Um, that's the only way I know how to put it, Carm. Um, he deserves better. You are, you are just straight adorable. Uh, you, you can say shit, Bert. It's okay. I mean, I, I understand that, uh, this is on YouTube and on the podcast line, but what's weak poo poo is fine. Uh, he, I mean, he's 38 dude. Uh, and he's hitting 122. Does anybody want Joey Votto? I, I there's going to be teams that want him. Maybe the Reds have to eat a little bit of money, but like, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a list of teams that are going to be looking at Joey Votto. Oh, okay. Not just okay. Guess, though. No, I listen. He, I'm sure he can find a place for somebody as a DH slash off your bench slash play some first base, whatever. Um, but let's just state the obvious on the baseball insiders, which is not what we do. Uh, but uh, I think Joey Votto might be just a little bit past his prime. Do you know who leads them in batting average with that, that actually qualifies right now with the number of requisite at bats needed give me tommy fam tommy fam would be correct at 234 that's your leading reds uh hey, for, yep so I, I got one positive note on the reds okay in addition to their leading hitter being or averaging 234 is they are currently on their longest winning streak of the season with two so they don't have one player who is above point eight in war to this point uh, if uh we want to get in the weeds here on baseball numbers fam fam 
Tyler Stevenson and Brandon Drury, ye of the six homers and 18 RBIs, are all at point seven. What's Colin Moran at? Colin Moran is at point two. Yeah, because he had three straight at bats with homers. So well, he's in two oh seven with a OPS of six forty eight, and those are the only three homers that he's hit this year. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, boy, we gotta like. Yeah, we got to use a needle to find the positives here with the Reds. Boy, what a! Uh, I, I, I knew they were going to be bad, Carm, but I don't think any of us could have expected this bad. Like this is like bad news bears level bad. Uh, great movie, the original. Always watch it uh, once a year. True. It's it's good for you. So the worst record in MLB history was the eighteen ninety nine Cleveland Spiders who finished 20 and 134. You got the 16 Philadelphia Athletics at 36 and 117. Um, of course, the Indians would be 33 and 129. Uh, there's the uh, the 35 Braves, who were a robust 38 and 115. More modern times. Everybody talks about the 62 Mets at 40 and 120. And then... The most modern would be the 2003 Tigers. I don't know how much you remember that team when they went 43 and 119 with Alan Trammell uh, leading the way. No disrespect to Alan Trammell. And there's a, uh, the Orioles of 2018 were 47 and 15. So they're going to be there and they're in the club, baby. They're in the club. Yeah, they're in the conversation, Carm. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, sticking in that division just for a second for my own. Uh, uh, interest, I guess, and although I, I'm sure there are Cub fans that listen to this podcast, Chicago is uh, the Cubs are 10 and 18, and they have these two pieces: one signed to a long-term deal in Kyle Hendricks, who pitched great last night, and the Cubs beat the Padres, uh, and he's slow out of the gates this season, like he often is. And they also have this catcher in Wilson Contreras, who's a free agent at the end of the year. And Jed Hoyer has said that the Cubs are not going to do the same rebuild that they did with Theo back in 2012 that mm-hmm. ended up with them winning the World Series. But this looks an awful lot exactly like that rebuild right now. You have horrendous players all over the field that are not going to be there when the Cubs are good. So can you are you hearing any anything around Contreras and or Hendricks or anything with the Cubs? I can't say I've heard any trade talk about them quite yet, but it's like starting with Contreras. So I like, I don't think these teams are going to be looking to make trades for at least a little while yet across the board. Um, but as far as Contreras, he is going to be a very valuable commodity. I'm surprised they have not made more of an effort to extend him than they have um, because I, he's just the kind of guy I think I, I would try to like have in that clubhouse like to try to navigate through that rebuild. But that being said, like you're shaking your head now. No, I, I completely agree with you. He's yeah. he's like, I mean, easy comp and maybe lazy, but if you look at Yadi Molina in St. Louis, Contreras can be that for the Cubs. That's, that, that, that's, that's his role. Yeah. And like having that really good catcher behind a play that can both hit and catch like at a high level, um, that's rare. And I don't think – like that could end up being an example of you don't know what you had until it's gone. Um, if he ends up leaving. Um, but if they do look at trade offers at the deadline, there are going to be teams interested. I like one of them I had mentioned in multiple episodes was the, was the giants. 
Um, I don't think that's likely anymore just because they have Joey Bart and I've had people there continually praise him as somebody who has really good offensive tools, but also has like the potential to be a gold glove caliber catcher. And I can't see them trying to move him away in his first year um, or move him away from like the starting catcher spot in his first year behind the plate. Well, I mean, the rumor last year was that the Cubs are trying to get him for in a Chris Bryant trade, which obviously the Giants said, no, um, we'll give you prospect nine and prospect 30 and we'll have Chris Bryant for the rest of the season. And then we'll let him go and walk to the Rockies where he'll yep. get hurt and have a bad back. And that's not starting out particularly well. Um, Anthony Rizzo, by the way, is making himself home in New York, just showing up to Rangers games and drinking beer and hitting bombs and playing great baseball for the record. But, you know, you could add him back for nothing. I, we'll, move on from, well, I'm just saying, like, listen, I, I'm totally fine with what they're doing, but go yeah. all the way. Like, I just, you know, I'm to both sides of my mouth here, because I do think it makes sense for the Cubs to keep Contreras on one level. But if you're going to do it, then go the whole way and uh, move your assets and, and, and try to replenish the farm system as best you can. However, they've waited this long. So you, what's interesting to me, what you said, is you think there's going to be a market for him. Yep. Last year, they were very lucky to get Pete Crow Armstrong for, for Javi Baez, who's, and Pete Crow Armstrong's playing great for the Cubs down in the minors. He's tearing it up in Myrtle Beach. But then you also have the Bryant side of it, where you got basically nothing, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, that Pete, like, I've had multiple executives call that Pete Crow Armstrong trade the best of the deadline. Like They are flat-out floored that the Mets gave him up in that trade. Um, because he is Carmen, he's going to be a star. Um, and that they were able to get him for a couple months of hobby bias pretty damn good. Um, well, it's, like, it's, and I, if I was the Cubs last year, I would have tried to trade Contreras because what he had, um, that would have made him even more valuable than he is, is controllability. Um, and he would add a year and a half left under contract because he's a free agent at the end of the year. Right. Yep. That is yep. correct. And you trade him for two, like you basically a team is going to get two, three months out of him. And that's far less valuable. And right. that trade package is going to reflect that. So that's why I think teams are going to be in, but they're not going to be willing to give up. Like just right. to keep this on track, a Pete Crow Armstrong level player. All right, let, let's go over to the AL central and uh, you're, you got your eyes on the guardians who, are 15 and 14 after a bizarre uh, comeback insane. They had a 3% chance to win, but came back and got the White Sox last night in extras, a grand slam of the night, the whole thing. Uh, they're hitting the baseball over there in, in Cleveland there, Bert. You're, you've, you've got some, uh, some love to throw their way, I guess. Yeah, I do. And it stems from their offense. And I want to, I want to ask you a question here, Carm. And like the first one's going to be pretty obvious, but Second one, not so much. Who are the two teams that own the highest contact rate in the majors right now? You think that's obvious for me? That's a that's I love the credit that you're giving. Highest contact rate in the majors right now. Yep. Well, well, we're talking about a certain team. We're, we're, uh, so Cleveland's one of them. Or is is that what you're saying? Yep, correct. The other okay. one. Uh, let, 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 let me just throw a guess out there. I will say. Mm, the Mets? No. It is Rockies. the Colorado Rockies. All right, there we go, the Rockies. Okay. And the the fact that 
the Guardians, I mean, that's what they're thriving on right now. And they're not relying solely on the home run ball like some of these teams. And they're just trying to put the ball in play. And we've seen that be a very successful recipe for them. And they've been better than I thought. And it also allowed them to come up on on the White Sox last night, which I'm sure you watched, um, where Josh Naylor had two home runs and seven RBI after the ninth inning. Um, like that is ridiculous. And they just have a lot of good juju surrounding them right now. Um, Naylor just epitomized that. And yeah, it's been one of the more pleasant surprises of the year so far. Well, Stephen Kwan's total is, is super fun. I don't think, uh, I don't think the world is overly familiar with Owen Miller at this point. Uh, the Wisconsin. Native, yeah. There, there you go, buddy. There you go. I wrote Make a feature on him. Check it out on fansided.com. I, there we go. We got the plug car. There we go. I, I did not know that. He's hitting 338 out of, is it Mequon, Wisconsin? Mequon. Mequon. My bad. My bad. I apologize to everybody who's been born or traveled through Mequon, Wisconsin. What, what, what can you tell us about Owen Miller that perhaps people don't know, Bert? Yeah, he was. So he was originally drafted by the San Diego Padres. Um, and quickly made a really good impression on that front office. Um, and all of a sudden, A.J. Preller was doing what he does, and he was basically trading everybody under the moon. And he thought he might be traded. And all of a sudden, he ended up getting to the ballpark one day, got called into the manager's office with a couple of different players, um, and were informed that they were traded to the Guardians for Mike Clevenger. Um, and the Guardians were very high on him. They liked what they saw in the metrics. Uh, called him up last year, struggled a bit, got demoted. Um, and this year he's been a revelation. He's been one of the more underrated players so far to start the year. Pleasant surprise. Um, what did you say? He's hitting 338? 338. Yeah, I mean, like, look at those numbers. Like, that is a credit so- to – the guardian, like he's been a highly rated, like he's been in the top 30 prospects for that, for both the Padres and the, and the, and the guardians. So it's not like he flew under the radar totally, but um, credit to their player development because the guardians, they were, they've been known as a quote unquote pitching factory uh, with how they've been able to develop starting pitchers. They did not have that same recipe for, or the same formula for hitting. It's harder to do that, but this year they've done a really good job and, their first year hitting coach, I forget what his name is, uh, has done a tremendous job. Um, so props to them. And I'm very curious to see if they can keep this up. Yeah. That division right now is, is, is interesting. Um, Chris uh, Valeka, is there, is there, that's right. Exactly. I'm sorry. That's their hitting coach. Is that what yep. you said? That's, okay. that's who I was going for. Yeah. Their okay. Hitting coach. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Glad that we cleared that up in the most <laughs> seamless manner in, in baseball yeah. insiders time. Hey, Cubs legend right there. There, yeah, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, all right. Let's, let's go to actual trade candidates yep. um, from all over baseball. I know we're stopping in Kansas city um, and really making your way around. So who are you, who are you hearing Bert? That's actually out there right now. So I want to clarify that these names are not actually out there, but like, players that teams have on their radars right now. So they're not available, but like these teams are going to be like, you know, like the eyeball emoji, they're going to be watching them. Okay. So you don't, you don't want anybody packing up their bags quite yet. Uh, correct. But- yeah. Cause I don't want to have these guys hear this and be like, Oh, Bert says they're getting traded. And all of a sudden they're not traded. And then they look at me like I'm an idiot. 
Um, we don't want that here. We we are no. here to, we are here to give you what's accurate, not just mere pack your bag speculation because your name is out there. So everybody stay calm. It's only May 10th, but go ahead. That's right. I couldn't have put that better. So first one I'm going to start off with is Frankie Montas. That is the most obvious trade candidate at the deadline. The A's are not ready to trade him quite yet. I think they're going to end up holding on to him until closer to the deadline. But I can tell you from talking to these teams, he is going to be the numero uno starting pitcher for a lot of these clubs looking for starters. Um, That trade package, since he's still got a year of controllability left, is going to be a very, very, very strong and lucrative contract uh, or a lucrative trade package, I should say. Um, So I'm curious to see what Billy Bean in that front office is able to get there, but he's number one on my list and for many others too. To go to like a less obvious one, uh, transitioning. I'm just going to list them all right right now and then we can talk about them after, uh, is Whit Merrifield. And this one, he's mentioned every single year Every and I'm the year. first one to mention it. So I'm just getting ahead of the curve. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, cause you know, it's coming. Everybody but, needs a leadoff hitter who can play all over. Let's go. That's right. And he, so he restructured his contract before the season started or just right after it or right after the season started. Uh, and that caught my eye because I have never seen that before. And that contract was to reward him for playing in the outfield, a position that he's not as comfortable with. Um, rather than being in the infield, but it also lowered his future money and paying him more now, but lowered his future money. And that, I think that is going to make him a more tradable asset and is going to be far more appealing to teams. And it also could end up netting the Royals more in a trade. So that, I think that was another layer to that extension or that restructure that was not talked about at the time, but he's a more tradable player than he was before. So I'm keeping an eye out there. Um, third is Nelson Cruz. He was traded. It seems like he's been traded quite a bit in his career, but he was traded last year, uh, from the twins to the Rays and was awesome in Tampa signed a one-year deal for 15 million this year, uh, mutual option for next year, which are almost always turned down. So if the, the nationals were never expected to be a strong contender this year, uh, I, after that rebuild, I don't think anybody could expect them to be very good, but um, he is going to be, um, I think, a player that a lot of these teams covet. And I mean, there's, I'll give you a list of teams that were in on him this offseason. It was okay. the Brewers, who I, who I was told were actually the runner up for Cruz. Uh, the Padres were in, but they did not go all in for him like many expected. Uh, the Dodgers were in. Um, and I want to say there was another team in there. Oh, the Braves were in, um, which kind of caught me off guard. I know the Braves had interest, but I don't think it was totally strong. I don't want to like, yeah, I want to make sure that isn't overblown uh, by people who are listening, but they were, they had some interest there. Alex Anthopoulos has absolutely loved him throughout his career. Um, But I would imagine he's going to end up getting more interest if the Nationals don't step it up, but I don't think anybody expects him to be a strong contender this year. Um, Four is Trey Mancini with the Orioles. That I think he's going to be somebody who these teams looking for another bat in their lineup are going to be showing a lot of interest in. He's got a great story, by the way. Um, yeah, I, there's been a lot of stories. There was a story by Dan Connolly at the Athletic where he went all in 
on Mancini's journey that you, you should take the time to read it because it was just awesome. All right. Uh, and then lastly is Corey Knable. Uh, Philly signed him to be a high level, high leverage reliever. And this year, I mean, he's been that for them, but the, they've also really not played as well as many people have thought they would, especially after signing Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Uh, and if they end up moving some players at the deadline, they're not going to move any of those prime stars, but they signed Canable to a one-year deal this offseason, and I think he's going to end up being a pretty strong trade candidate for these teams looking for bullpen help, which, as you know, Carm, teams are always looking for bullpen help. So, like, Canable is going to end up being somebody that these teams identify and going to end up getting the Phillies a top 30 prospect and a little bit more back. All right, all right. Uh, can I empty the Carm notebook here and see what you think? Let's do it. I got I to gotta get hydrated again. Yeah, please do. So, number one – one of the more likable players that um, and interesting guys yeah. that I've that I've interviewed in the last call it three four years is having an unbelievable start to the season, and I'm talking about Michael Kopech for the Chicago White Sox. Interesting on and off the field, lowest right. ERA of any starter going right now, under one, and another great performance yesterday. Deserved to get a win against Cleveland, so uh, that's. You know, there's the White Sox have scuffled out of the gate here, but they may have a legitimate ace in Kopech. So that is a huge when you're and they're playing a lot better baseball, by the way. They've won six of the last seven. That that's a it's a huge little development if people are not paying attention to what's going on in the White Sox rotation. No, that's most what, def, most definitely, Carm. And I I was actually I thought about the same thing the other day. I was gonna text you, believe it or not. Um, rather than our early morning text messages or text sessions that we usually have. Uh, it was, it was going to be a late afternoon text, but um, yeah, Kopech, like it almost like, okay. So to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, but on a national level, is he underrated? I, right now he is. I, I, yeah. I don't hear a whole lot of scuttlebutt on Michael Kopech. I mean, neither do I. This was a prime time Red Sox prospect who went to the White Sox in the Chris Sale trade. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you knew what Rick Hahn and company thought about him in, I mean, it was a great deal and they had to trade Sale, but yeah, they, they, I mean, that targeting Kopech and Yohan Moncada, that's a hell of a job by, by Rick Hahn. I mean, really? So, uh, but you know, he's been hurt. So you, you, you know, yeah. out of sight, out of mind, really. Right. I mean, that's really been his story. Exactly. And also going back to that trade, I remember, so they ended up getting, uh, was Mankata, Kopech, Victor Diaz, but there was the other name in there. It was Luis Alexander Basabe. Um, how is that for a name drop? I thought I mean, he was going to be a very, very good player. Did not turn out to be. Um, but like that, at the time getting not just Kopech, not just Mankata, but Basabe, I thought that was, I thought that was a coup. Turns out I was wrong, but still they were, yeah. I mean, being able to get those two players for Chris Sale, who's been off the field for, what, two years now? Pretty impressive haul. I mean, Rick Hahn at that point in time was on an insane uh, baseball executive hot streak. He traded Adam Eaton, who generally sucked uh, and was a pain in the ass in the clubhouse, even though the White Sox brought him back weirdly last year. They traded him to the Nationals for Lucas Giolito, Dane Dunning and Ronaldo Lopez, three guys who started and one of them who's a borderline ace. I mean, ridiculous. 
for Adam freaking Eaton. Yeah, I like, remember that. Okay, so I remember that trade and just being absolutely freaking flabbergasted. Teams um, just overpay for guys who are under contract. Oh, a thousand percent. It makes them, yeah. They, they Boy, I cannot say what I was about to say. Um, why not? Okay, I'll just say it. Teams, they have massive boners for guys who are under contract long-term. They love that stuff. They, they can't get enough of it. So Cost certainty. Um, I mean, it was the same thing with, you know, there was another, the White Sox did the exact same thing with Jose Quintana. Guy under cost certainty, they got themselves Dylan Cease and they got Eli Jimenez because mm-hmm. the Cubs were so hot for a guy who was under contract and because their payroll was out of whack. Uh, all right, let me, let me move to major um, one tweet that I noticed that was put out, which was um, super interesting. And uh, Craig Calcaterra does a great job. Uh, in his own, in his own corner of the baseball world, and so he was tweeting about this. It was reported by Business Insider that two distinct baseballs were used in games last year, 2021. Rob Manfred said that the changes were implemented in the ball used in Major League Parks last season, and the league had been upfront about modifications. He repeatedly cited a report that the league had commissioned to study the ball, which found the top concern was improving consistency. Why is it that there isn't one damn baseball that is made? You don't, you don't see this in football. You don't see it in basketball. It's just weird to me, man. One baseball. This is what they make. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it for lack of no. being uh, just an idiot, I guess, or just not understanding how it's not one baseball. This is what we do. This is the game. No, I'm in total agreement. And I was actually, as you were listening or as I was listening to you say that it's uh it's, in, it's pretty wild how tiring it is hearing about there being problems with the baseball and just all these complaints. And like, these complaints are justified. Um, like they, it, this should not be an issue, especially in the year 2022. Like we should be playing with one baseball. Um, and last year, as soon as the reports came out that there was a different baseball being used at different times, the amount of text messages I got from coaches, from players, from others in the game who were talking about this absolutely freaking wild card. It has got everybody in baseball absolutely enraged. And we just saw Eric Chavez of the Yankees. Um, they uh, or uh, wait. Oh yeah. He was previously with the Yankees for like a cup of coffee. Now he's with the Mets. Um, and they, he went on the record and said like, they think there's a different baseball again. And it's just, it's frustrating Carm. It should not happen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very tired of the different baseball argument just because like, this is an issue that should have been taken care of a long time ago. And just another grab the players are going to have with an effort. Just feels like they're manipulating the game. They are, it's not even feels like they are manipulating the game. By the way, you said cup of coffee. That's uh, Craig's daily newsletter, just to give the full shout out to what Craig does. Uh, so feel free. Oh, to, is it? Yeah. Yep. 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 That's his daily newsletter. Um, Okay. So, well, just wrap that up. Where do you think we're going with this? Nowhere, right? They're just going to continue to do it over time to try to make the game more entertaining and combat what the players are doing off the field that the people don't want to talk about, in essence? Basically, yep. That's exactly what I'm thinking, Carm. Okay. All right. Bert, let's wrap up with the NL West, which, uh, you know, most people thought that the Dodgers were going to run away with that uh, and then some – we are seeing a very, uh, at least early season here, 
very competitive. Uh, and the Dodgers are up top, but a game and a half back, the pods, the Giants are right there again. And even the Rockies and Diamondbacks are, everyone's over 500. So it's, yeah. it's big, it's big time. It is a big time. And I got this text out of the blue today from a National League executive. He said, imagine winning 10 out of 13 games, climbing to two games above 500 and being in last place. That is your Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, And I looked and I'm like, huh? And I knew they were on a winning streak, but I did not realize until this morning that the Diamondbacks were 16 and 14 and above 500 and still in last place in that division. And that just shows to me how freaking good that division is. Because, I mean, we all knew the Dodgers were going to be good. We knew the Giants were going to be good, especially coming off of a 107-win season. Kind of unsure about the Padres, but there was optimism that they'd be better just because Bob Melvin is a much better manager for that team than Jace Tingler. Um, Rockies, stunner. Uh, didn't see this coming, but the Diamondbacks – I thought they were going to be in the conversation to be one of the worst teams in the national league. Again, Um, they've proved me wrong through 30 games uh, and to their credit. um, I think they've quieted any whispers that were being had about them potentially firing Tori Lovello. Um, Yeah, just very strong start to the year for them. Uh, I'm curious to see how sustainable a 500 pace is for them because it took winning 10 of 13 to get above 500 again, but you know what? Praise them what we can because what they're doing is very impressive. So, congratulations to being relevant. And uh, it's just it's interesting when you take a sort of more global look at the standings. Everyone's under over five hundred. The NL West. You have two teams in the Central over. Which, by the way, I told you the Brewers over the Cardinals. You had St. Louis. I'm two games up on you. They're both on a. Minor losing streaker. Brewers have lost the last three cards, their last two. And then the NL East, the Mets, big off season, 10 over 500. No one else over 500 in the division. Braves, Marlins, Phillies, Nats. It's, it's, uh, and I guess that, I mean, the biggest surprise in baseball right now, it's got to be the Angels, right? At 20 and 11, 20 and 11. Absolutely. I yeah. thought they'd be better, or I thought they'd be better. But like, there's rotation. Syndergaard's been great. Michael Lorenzen's been great. Shohei Otani, I mean, you know, I think he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think he might have a future at this. Baseball, promote those two. Trout, Otani, yeah. all day long. Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle on the same damn team. They play for the Angels. You have it. Go ahead and lean into it. By the way, one of them is a global phenomenon. It's a great opportunity for you. Let's go. Yo, I'm, Bert, uh, big news, by the way, for the Baseball Insiders. Mm-hmm, very what do we big. got coming up on Thursday, buddy? So sources tell me and at the Carm uh, that we're having our first live episode um, on Thursday. I can't. What time is it, Carm? Our first live episode of the Baseball Insiders, Robert, where you are going to we're sending out uh, someone to dress you, wardrobe and all. So be, be, get ready for that. I don't know if you can wear the pink shirt, uh, but we are 2 o'clock Central Time on May the 12th. We will be ready to rock and roll right here for you. It's also NFL schedule release day, so maybe we'll get your Eagles in here, Bert. 
Go Birds, baby. I got Sean Daly in here. I got, yeah, that's my no, guy. He's here, buddy. Birds fan. He, he's, he's taking a break from TikTok right now to hang out with us. Um, my guy. Guy's just making channels like left and right. Which, by the way, the Baseball Insiders TikTok is out there. And Kevin Millar is carrying us in a big way. So thank you, Kevin. A great interview by you, Carm. Great job, Carm. Way to go, Carm. Way to go, Carm. Thank At the Carm on Twitter, by the way. Thanks, Bert. Uh, hey, Robert. Good to be with you, buddy. Hey, great being with you, too, pal. Always hit a pleasure. That, hit that subscribe button and turn your notifications on. Live shows coming up. We'll see you Thursday, 2 Central. And, uh, yes, continue to hit the sweet spot. Right back up the middle. Base hits all day. They play. I'm going for dingers, baby. I need to smack one out of the park. Get ready. (laughs) And then, then there's that side. The Baseball Insiders. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.